0: This is the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'll be speaking with Rick Olson today. The first few announcements Canada on Rails is coming up, and they're going to have a little competition to try to give you some free tickets to the event plus dinner. So here's what you have to do Vancouver has a thriving indie music scene. Name as many Vancouver bands as you can that have hit the big time and signed a record deal. Post your answer to your blog and send the URL to contests at canadaonrails.com. The prize is two VIP tickets to the conference and complimentary dinner for two valued at $100. Post as many bands as you can who have come from Vancouver and have hit the big time. Post that to your blog. Send the URL only to contests at canadaonrails.com. We have a Pragmatic Studio coming up with Dave Thomas and Mike Clark happening in Denver. Last one sold out very quickly. So go to PragmaticStudio.com to find more details about that. Shameless plug right here, I am going to be teaching two Rails workshops, one in Los Angeles, one in Seattle, later in January. So you can go to DVCreators.net or TopFunky.com to find out the details about that. Finally, Tables Turned, one of the sponsors for the Typo theme contest, running in some hard times, trying to get rid of a few projects they started, and try to pay some of the bills. So if you are interested in making a business out of a few of their URLs, railsjobs.com, web2.0jobs.com, a couple other ones, go to tablesturned.com and you can find out the details for that. Finally, I want to thank Samson Audio Equipment for donating a nice microphone for the show. Hopefully, it's going to help me sound a lot better. It's a great little C01U mic. Plugs right into your USB. No software. Plug it in. Go for it. So thanks to Samson Electronics for donating that. I also got myself a nice little pop filter. So hopefully, this show will be a little less painful. And also opens a lot of possibilities for me to discuss other topics previously not possible. Pointers, plugins, profitability. Is it possible to be productive in Python? We might interview Peter Parker. Talk about parentheses. Sure you had a perfectly. Today I'm talking with Rick Olson. Rick is known online as Techno Weenie. You can find him at techno-weenie.net he's been called more cuddly than a teddy bear. Others have said Rick is a unique Rails developer because he spends a lot of time giving a lot of code back to the community. You might know him for his early plugins, Axe as Paranoid and Axe as Versioned, and quite a few other teams. He's now contributed a lot of patches to Core Rails, and maybe he's on the edge of being on the Core Rails team. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be on. So, right away, you wrote a few popular libraries that I mentioned, uh, Axis Paranoid, kept, uh, did kind of a soft delete Axis version, kept different copies of when changes were made. How'd you get the idea for those? Were you doing another project, or did they just come up uh, as kind of a way to, to learn the Rails extendability system?
1: Well, um Access Paranoid was actually a project for Courtney. He he was working on a project and he he came to me and he said, you know, he wanted some way to uh to keep track of his deleted models. So, uh, you know, he sat down and hacked out a little implementation. I, you know, I posted it on my blog and then uh like a few days later or a few weeks later, I don't remember, Scott Barron actually tried using it and he kind of called me out for a my uh, chainsaw butchery of the uh, base classes so I mean everything he said was you know right so I said to try uh, making an act out of it you know at the time uh, plugins weren't around so it was a gem I, I had about three gem projects going on about the same time they were just getting my uh, feet wet you know writing Ruby code you know there's that and there's Axis version which I kind of wrote for some unused uh, wiki project I was working on but that never materialized. And I've, I used it in a couple other things. And then uh, I also had my Sentry uh, library, which is a credit card. Well, not necessarily a credit card, but like an encryption library. I wrote for something for work, you know, a project we had there.
0: Now, it seems like a lot of, even now, if you're using Rails as a developer, it's pretty well documented, but the inner guts of that, there's still not a lot documenting it. Was it just talking back and forth with Scott that, Showed you a lot more how to do that, or are there more resources people can go to today if they want to write an access kind of plugin?
1: Some of it was kind of you know trial and
0: error. You know, I was pretty uh,
1: new Ruby programmer, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But I, I think things are pretty well, pretty clean in the code. I mean, cleaner than you might think. And then there's also you know like Axe's list and the other Act you know, plugins or whatever that are actually in the framework that had to look off of.
0: So if somebody was going to write a Plug in now. Would you say they should go look at some of those, or do you have a? Is there a good as that somebody should look at if they're going to start a new one from scratch?
1: I think the current ones are good, and you know, you know, mine are good too. I think the Axes paranoid is pretty, uh, pretty freaky and hackish. So I don't think anyone should really look at that. But okay, but the Axes version is you know pretty, pretty good, pretty uh, well tested. I think.
0: And then uh, calculations. You also added those for easily putting together several different what higher order objects to make a, some different calculations and sums group by all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that was that was an idea Courtney had for a project. You know, we we do a lot of uh, collaborative hacking and just a lot of weird ideas that he has and so I I kind of banged that out on in the airport went for a flight. So I uh, haven't really had much of a chance to to use it just you know, a few things here and there but it's, it's pretty cool I actually took out the uh the higher order methods that I was using in it a, I got I got some feedback from that and it, it's just too weird and I actually modified it to uh to match the uh, defined API more you know that's more commonly used in rails
0: okay so like using different symbols as arguments instead of just dot 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 right right because
1: most people just don't i mean it, it's just too different form I guess which I agree it, it's probably best to have you know, a a common, a consistent API for all
0: that. Now, what's the chance uh, you're kind of on the edge of the Rails core team, contribute a lot of patches and things like that? What's the chance some of these might get wrapped into the core of Rails, or do you think it's better that they just stay as plugins now that that system's available?
1: Well, I don't I don't think any of
0: my plugins really have
1: core appeal maybe the uh, calculations one it's fairly simple and it doesn't really disrupt anything else but most of the other ones are pretty not much use for them I don't think so I, c- I can't really say but really anyone has a chance of uh, getting their uh, plugins in- into core you know if they're good enough and you know if they have a common enough use case uh, a lot of people get good get- get benefit out of them
0: well, tell us a little bit about the new plugin system because it's brand new. I just kind of stumbled on it. Maybe you wrote a blog post or saw something extra in the scripts directory called plugin, and you can use that to actually install and hunt for different kinds of plugins. Tell us a little bit about that, how that works. Well, uh,
1: Ryan uh, Tamako actually wrote the initial implementation for that. When uh, plugins were released, there was no way to keep track of what there were, so uh, somebody started a page on the wiki for it you know people just posting their uh, plugins and uh, Ryan wrote a script that would actually uh, scan that for uh, plugin URLs and kind of add them to a local repository you know a collection of plugin repositories It just gives you like easy access to install your plugins without having to remember URLs you know just type script plugin install you know uh, access versioned or whatever and it you know goes out there and gets it so it
0: still does that. It just gets the URLs off the wiki. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, actually, it gets the uh, repository URLs. You know, they're basically uh, Subversion URLs that end in plugins. Okay. And you know, so usually people put all their plugins. You know, it's common convention, I guess. They put all their plugins in that plugins directory. And I think you type a script plugin discover, and it'll pull in any new. You know, there's some like, like mine isn't in there by default, so I have to type that on all my machines.
0: Okay, so you can add other ones. Does it also do like a subversion external link or it actually copies the files straight down?
1: Well, by default, it actually uh it depends on whether your project is in subversion or not. If it's not, it uses a like a standard HTTP uh downloader that Chad Fowler contributed, which it's really pretty basic. It's geared towards uh subversion, you know, HTTP subversion. Repository, so like you wouldn't be able to point at like a SourceForge page or a RubyForge page or anything like that, because it would just go nuts downloading pages. And uh, if your project is in Subversion, then it will uh, default to SVN export.
0: Okay, so it's aware of that,
1: right? And uh, and you can pass options to uh, you know use checkout or externals if you wish.
0: That's nice. It sounds like it's thought through. But why did you choose to use that kind of a system instead of some other type of Ruby gems? hook in or something associated with ruby forge was it just kind of out of necessity because everything was listed on the wiki or do you think it might extend into something more formal later
1: i'm not really sure i mean it's just kind of someone needed something they had an itch to scratch and they wrote it you know the original plugin system that james wrote was just very very basic you know you just dump a file or a directory with an init.rb uh, file in there and it Automatically installs it. You know, automatically loads it in your uh, application. And I think that's just that's been the uh, the drive for all these new features. There's been a few additions to uh, to the plugins. Like uh, you can put an install.rb file in there, and it'll actually perform actions. You know, as you install it using script plugin. And, uh, you know, like right now, I'm using that to actually spit out uh, usage documentation. So as soon as you install it, you can see how to use it instead of having to hunt down the README. One of the things about Gems, though, is uh, there's an issue with, uh, like, shared hosting. You know, I mean, like, I can, I can create Gems and use them locally just fine, but then, you know, I have to worry about getting my, uh, my shared host to update, you know, my, you know, wacky Gems I'm writing, you know, with versions coming out, you know, like every day or every, you know, 30 minutes. I found myself actually just uh, unpacking them into my vendor directory, and having require statements and all that stuff, and this just makes it a lot cleaner. and I can focus on you know the important aspect of you know like writing my application and not worry about you know package management and you know versioning and things like that.
0: That's great to be aware of that. I mean, there's probably aren't any statistics, but it seems like there are a ton of people using Rails on shared hosts, and so a solution that works well for them seems pretty worth worthwhile right i'm I'm sure
1: the shared hosts appreciate that too, so you know they're not necessarily installing all these crazy uh plugins that people are writing
0: now, if you can give us a peek into the ideas of the core team, of course, we've heard over and over getting real simplicity, keeping rails simple and not trying to extend it with automated administrative interfaces and all those kinds of things since we've got this nice. Plugin system is there really any reason to keep adding new features to rails or should things just be distributed as plugins and is there any reason to keep adding functionality to rails uh,
1: that's that's a tough question it, it really depends on the feature you know there are some features that like uh, rgs templates or the uh, polymorphic joins that i think that will improve all of rails i mean it and then there are other things you know like uh automatic admin generators that people are wanting that would have, you know, maybe a fairly limited usage. You know, I, I can't see, you know, like a Basecamp getting an automatic admin interface or anything like that. But things like like RGS templates just totally change the way I write my AJAX. It's, it's amazing. And then, you know, if, uh, if you ever have to uh, do a has a belong to, belongs to many joins, you know, with uh, join models, or uh, extra attributes, you know, you, you know that can get a little hairy, and uh, the new uh, polymorphic joins, you know, really clean that up. So I, I think they're important additions
0: to, uh, to core. So those are coming up in the, what, 1.1 or whatever the next version of Rails is.
1: Yeah, and they're they're in trunk right now. If you want to play around with them, I, I know uh, polymorphic joins aren't really uh, documented and tested that well. So uh, hopefully people will start messing around with them and contribute some. Some uh, documentation or some patches or, and all that.
0: Tell us a little bit about RJS templates. You wrote a little article about that, and other people have gone into detail. But it's a basically even removes the need to write JavaScript even more, and you can replace multiple items on the page. How does that work?
1: It uses uh, some prototype helpers for uh, generating JavaScript, and uh, I think that the fact that you can easily update multiple elements just really. Makes your code more efficient because before you you'd have uh, templates and you're kind of generating JavaScript code. You know, with the uh, I can't even remember the helper name, but it just it makes it so much easier using the RGS templates and not having to not having to write all the, the JavaScript for it. But it's it's really really pretty basic. Uh, you'd probably need I mean, our docs built off trunk to see the docs for it, but it's really clear in the way it works.
0: And basically, what you can do page dot update and then you just tell it which element you want to update and hand it your variable and then it fills those things in on the client side right
1: yeah it, I think the actual method is a page dot uh, replace HTML and then you pass in the element id and then some uh render options so you can actually like point at a partial to to spit out or or you know just put in a string and it's really good like uh I think uh the icon buffet example is really good because, like, when you add your uh, item to your checkout, you know it updates, uh, you know updates your checkout and updates, you know, several small portions of the page as opposed to like one large portion. So it just makes it a lot easier to do that kind of stuff.
0: I think that's a great idea. Maybe like probably about a year ago from now, I'd done some of that kind of thing in Perl and was using some different AJAX libraries, and I really like that ability to just update several separate parts of the page and so when I looked at how the prototype library did it it seemed a little awkward because you just were sending in a huge well it wasn't really even xml and so you couldn't do that as easily but now this makes it possible and it seems like that's going to open up a lot more possibilities for apps to operate a lot differently and hopefully easier to use
1: Right. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little odd at first too, but um, it, I mean, there's a, it was a totally is a different approach to Ajax at the time because everyone else was you know generating JavaScript and are sending back and forth uh, J, uh JSON packets and things like that. But I mean, it really, it, it made it very easy to get up and running with Ajax. Just to, I mean, you write your controller and your actions the way that you write them, and then you you change your uh, form to a form remote tag and and, you know, all of a sudden you're on Ajax pretty much. So I, so it's a totally different philosophy, I guess.
0: Well, what other, Are there any other upcoming plans for the plug system? Of course, people can just download the Rails trunk and look at that. But do you have other ideas out there that you'd like to see implemented that you think are missing in the whole plug system? Or do you think it's in a good, stable state right now? I'm not sure. There's not really a
1: whole lot of, like, advanced planning going on in the Rails framework. It's just pretty much whatever we need. I think it was uh, David or Marcel needed the uh, install ability, you know, so, you know, they hacked that out in one night, you know, it's just things like that. You know, lately, you know, everyone's been getting ready for the uh, 1.0 release, so we haven't really been talking about or thinking about plugins that much. I think uh, David did mention he wanted some kind of, like, a better... Repository, you know, versus the the wiki, you know, something a little more formal. So I I actually hacked around on that a little bit, but I don't know. I'm still still throwing around a little bit some ideas for that.
0: It just seemed like it would be useful, but it'd also take a lot of work to accept or test or approve different plugins, make sure they were not doing something malicious and were actually useful.
1: Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd hate for uh, people to start submitting uh, malicious plugins That probably wouldn't be that good.
0: Well, you've also spent some time... Well, you've spent a lot of time giving back to the community and recently you developed Rails Weenie. I think it's rails.techno-weenie.net, and people can get, go on there, ask questions, get their questions answered, and I think there's even a point system. Where did you get the idea that for that, and do you think that's doing what you want it to now, or do you have other ideas in mind for that?
1: Well, I originally wrote it because, you know, I I try and help out where I can, you know, like in IRC and and the Ruby on Rails room or, you know, on the mailing list. And, you know, I I see the same questions being asked and the same answers being given. You know, I just, I don't know, I just thought there could be a better way to to hold this information. And then the the point system, you know, there's... There's lots of other systems out there like Expert Exchange. You know, I, I thought you know some kind of point system might, I don't know, give a little more incentive for that. But yeah, there's there's still a lot of little things I wanted to do to it. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like been unclear about what to do on there. So I I, don't know, I just need to clean up the interface and you know add like a point listing. You know, some kind of leaderboard stats, and I just, I just haven't really uh, had a whole lot of time to market it well or at all, really, so there's not much uh, activity going on there right now, but I'd like to change that if I could.
0: Well, even so far, it seems like there's some interesting questions on there. You wrote a little bit about those RGS templates, and looking there right now, people are asking about rake tasks and trying to use authentication for RSS feeds and stuff like that, so it, it does seem like it would be useful, especially if a few more people get on there, both asking and answering. Yeah,
1: well I'm just uh, trying to get hopefully get people to help each other out too and instead of just sitting back and asking questions, you know, maybe get in there a little bit. And I, I think that's a really good way to, to pick up on this stuff, you know, instead of asking the questions that, you know, take a little bit of time and digging into the framework and see why you're you're getting that weird error message or or if you see a question on the mailing list or somewhere take the time to investigate it. and I mean, you'll you find yourself learning a lot more about the framework and be a much more effective Rails developer.
0: Well, thanks for taking some time out of your busy day. It's exciting to see the different things you're doing. And the plug-in system definitely seems like it's brought a lot of coherence to the whole uh, idea of adding on to Rails. and It's going to make it a lot easier. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. All right. Well, this has been the Ruby on Rails podcast.